a Telltale Pod production. Spirit Bird by Jasbinda Belan Chapter 28 Just when I think they're going to make us work all through the night, the high-pitched siren wails again and everyone finally stops. My back aches and my legs feel like they might give way as we shuffle towards the crumbling old building where I spent the night. My arms are so weak that I can barely lift them, but I'm not giving in. I have to get out and find Papa. We have to make a plan. The guards heard us through a dimly lit corridor like cattle, and I count how many of us there are. Around fifty, I think. Right at the end, they push us into a room reeking of soiled, damp bedding and lit by a gloomy, bare light bulb, and lock us in. The room is slightly bigger than our cowsheds at home, which has steps leading up to a platform to make another floor, so they can squeeze everyone in. Over here! says Jivan, shoving past the crowd of bodies in the semi-darkness, stepping over the children too tired to move. Let's sit next to Attica and Sammy. Suddenly the door swings open. Someone throws in a full tray of roti, drops a container of water onto the floor, turns the heavy lock and leaves. Everyone rushes over to the food, pushing and shoving others out of the way. Jivan joins in, elbowing his way to the tray. Here, I got a few, he says, fighting his way back through the scrum. They're a bit stale, but at least it's food. It's everyone for themselves here, isn't it? I say, taking the hard bread from him. I get the shriveled mango seedling out of my pocket and examine it. I gently trickle some water onto it, close my eyes and say a silent prayer willing it to recover. Look! I show it to Jivan. It's getting better already. There's a new shoot if you look closely. Where? I can't see anything. Jivan, you have to believe in things if you want them to happen. I put the seedling back into my pocket. We sit with our backs against the wall, dipping roti into a cup of water to soften it. The other children are a tangle of jutting ribs and filthy streaked hair, grabbing at each other, trying to get a bit more food. Attica and Sammy smell terrible. Their cheeks are hollow and sunken. This is what will happen to us if we don't get out. I'm not staying here, I say, a growl throbbing in my throat. Neither Sammy nor Attica speak, they just look at each other. Attica retrieves a stub of candle and a small box of matches from behind a loose brick in the wall and lights it. 
The others in the room fall silent and, out of curiosity, I suppose, gradually gather around us. Has anyone ever tried to get out? I ask. They still don't say anything. Well, have they? Sammy speaks first. Don't think about it. You can't get out of here. They lock us up and keep us in order with the whips. And worse. I look at Jeevan and imagine the beating he must have taken. They don't have the right to keep any of us here, I say. If we work together, we could do it. Asha? It's Attica who speaks this time. You probably think we're cowards, but but we were all like you in the beginning. We think Sammy's been here the longest, but there's no way of telling, and every day is just like the next. If you make any trouble, they just get rid of you. I can remember most of you arriving, and the ones who disappeared, says Sammy. There are plenty of children on the streets who'll trust someone with the promise of a warm bed and food. You came, didn't you? Asha didn't want to, starts Jeevan. I interrupt him. Yes, you're right, Sammy, we did. But we don't have to stay. There are a few hidden holes under the high wall says Attica, taking a bite of roti and looking at Sammy and the others. A while ago, a group of kids decided to make a run for it. They watched the routine of the guards and then one day they tried while we had a water break. They got caught, says Sammy. The guards lined them up in the sun, tied them to post and beat them and left them for all of us to see. Then one evening, they loaded them onto the dump truck and we don't know what happens after that. Attica wipes tears with the back of her hand. So you see, nobody will risk that again. We just do what we're told and try to keep out of the way. I speak in a low, strong voice and everyone's listening. I stand up to face them. I know you're all scared, and I am too. But sometimes you have to act together. My friend Jeevan and I have travelled all the way from our village in the foothills of the Himalayas to find my papa in Zandapur. And we went to the highest temple in the world, says Jeevan, and lit Dive for all our friends and family. If you listen to Asha, we might have a chance. It's too risky, says a boy in the crowd of faces. You can try if you like, but I don't want to be tied up to a post and beaten, says another. Anyway, they're all in on it. Haven't you seen the police coming in for their cut? There's nowhere to go for help. So we have to help ourselves. You need to start realising how long you've all been here. Look at the sky. Every night the moon changes. It can tell you how time passes if only you notice it. There's no moon tonight, but tomorrow it'll be like a tiny nail print and in seven days it'll be half. Do you really want them to decide your future? 
treat you worse than animals day after day. Get rid of you when you can't work anymore. Nobody answers. So what do you think? Asks Jeevan. Yes, maybe, says Sammy. But he doesn't look convinced. What makes her so special? Says Taran, growling. Why should we listen to what she says? I slump down beside Jeevan. Suddenly, my doubts of the night before have come flooding back. It's hard to be hopeful in a place like this. Taran's right, I say, the fight slipping away from me. Why should they trust me? All I've done is put you in danger. You can't give up now, Usher, not now. Jeevan makes me look at him. Like you keep telling me, if you want something, you have to make it happen. We have to try at least. Suddenly, he stands tall, facing the crowd of children, while I cower further into the corner. There's something else you should all know. Jeevan throws me a glance and gets on to an upturned water bucket. He waits until they're all looking at him, raising his hands to stop the noise. Asha has special powers. She dreams about what's going to happen. This journey was written in her lines. She feels the spirit of her nanaji. None of us believes in spirits, do we? cries Taran, looking around at the others. Everyone shouts at once, causing a huge uproar. Some kids taking Jeevan's side, others gathering around Taran. Jeevan raises his arms. Shh! Quiet, everyone! Come on, Usher, tell them. I can't believe how Jeevan's changed his mind, but it's come too late and I sink further into my misery. No! I turn away from everyone, bury my head into my knees. I can't do any more, I say, tears streaming down my face. I won't let you give up, says Jeevan, putting an arm around my shoulder. I shrug him off. You heard them. How can I make them listen when they've lost all hope? When I've lost all hope? I think of home and crumple a little bit more. I'm never going to see it again. Asha, come on. Remember what you told me about the spirit bird? The things you saw in Chitragupta's house. I know you believe them. They're the things that make you different. They make you strong, Asha. Please. I need you. They need you. Think of your papa, your family. I cautiously lift my head, wipe my nose on my sleeve and begin to stand up. I feel like an emptied husk of wheat, my trembling insides threatening to cave in. Jeevan heaves the bucket across and stands on it again. Listen, he shouts above the noise. You have a choice. You can stay here and suffer forever, or you can try and escape. Asha, tell them. 
As the room gets quieter, their eyes turn to me. They're waiting! I nervously pull up my clothes, twisting my hands together. She's gone all shy, laughs Taryn. She's only a normal girl after all. I've had enough of this. He sparks my anger and I feel it rising like an unleashed tiger after its prey. And he's only an idiot! I blurt out. Listen to me, everyone. If we all act together, we can be strong. Think about your ancestors. Call on their spirits to help us. The feather, whispers Jivan, nudging me. Show them the feather that links you to the Lamagaya. I clasp the long golden feather from my pocket and lift it high in the air. This feather is from the reincarnated spirit of my Nanaji. She lives on in the form of a Lamajaya and she gave it to me as a sign. I also went to see the village witch, Chitragupta, and in her house I saw tigers and the whole jungle appeared to me. She showed me things I'd only seen in my dreams. As I revisit my memories of that powerful night, I begin to feel more certain. She gave me that confidence to believe in myself. She told me that I have magical powers and that I should use them for good. She said I would know when the time was right. Jivan hands me a piece of string and I tie the feather to my arm. He and I stand side by side like warriors, waiting for the signal to fight. I jut out my chin and feel a steely strength rebuilding inside me. Some of the children start talking among themselves, getting louder as they quibble and snipe at each other. But we stay firm. Sammy stands up. Shh! He calls. Let's have a vote. Hands up if you want this to end and try and get out. At first, only a few of the other children put up their hands. But slowly the room becomes a sea of fingers. That was another Tell-A-Tale Pod production. Remember that you can follow, share and find more of our podcasts at tellatalepod.podbean.com